behind his head and supported it. Her fingers moved gently in his hair. She looked up and across the barn, and her lips came together and smiled mysteriously. You've been listening to The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. If you... Our college trip took 21 hours and five minutes. <laughs> Let's just sit with what we heard. Are you serious? Well, we don't have to constantly be entertaining ourselves, do we? I wish I could live through something. Aren't you? Nope. The only exciting thing about 2002 is that it's a palindrome. Okay, fine. Well, yours is the worst life of all, so you win. Oh, so now you're mad. No, it's because just you're I being ridiculous to to because music. you have a great life. I'm sorry, I'm not perfect. No one's asking you to be perfect. Just consider it. We'll do. I don't even want to go to school in this state anyway. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. Your dad and I will barely be able to afford in-state tuition. There are loans, Your brother, your very smart brother, he can't even find a job. He and Shelley work. They have they jobs. They bag at the grocery store. That is not a career, and they went to Berkeley. Your father's company is laying off people right and left. Did you even know that? No, of course you don't, because you don't think about anybody but yourself. I want to go where culture is, but like New York. How in the world did I raise such a Or at least snob. Connecticut or New Hampshire, Boy, where writers live in the get woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! You can't even pass your driver's test. Because you wouldn't let me practice The way enough. that you work, or the, or the way that you don't work, you're not even worth state tuition, Christine. My name is Ladybird. Uh, well, actually, it's not, and it's ridiculous. Call me Ladybird like Christine. you said you would. Just, you should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College, and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. Welcome to Hope, everybody. That's the opening scene of a movie called Lady Bird. It was nominated for Best Picture a couple of years ago. Saoirse Ronan plays uh, Lady Bird. Her mom is played by Laurie Metcalf. Both those women were nominated for Oscars for their performances in this movie that kind of follows Lady Bird through her senior year of high school. And so it begins the summer before her senior year. They're on this college road trip looking at uh, different colleges pretty close to home. Uh, their home is in Sacramento, California. But Ladybird wants to fly. Uh, she wants to soar. She wants to go uh, somewhere where there is culture, and she doesn't think she can find that in California. She needs to go somewhere like, I don't know, Pella, <laughs> or Iowa City, or Ames, the best college town in the country, apparently, according to some survey they took last week. How many times did you vote for it? In, anyway, uh, Ladybird wants to go and find a place where there's culture. She thinks that's on the East Coast, her mom is not excited about that idea at all. And the film kind of does a really masterful job exploring these tensions that exist, relationships between parents and children, and particularly around what does it look like to let go? What does it look like to say goodbye? 
I've actually shown that clip before and used it to start off a message a, a couple of years ago. I thought it'd be good to pull it out again for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, this week we've been moving people to college in our family. So here's Dalton moving in on Wednesday night. We went up to St. Olaf College in Northfield, Minnesota. He's starting his sophomore year there. Uh, it's about a three-hour drive right up Interstate 35, and the drive home this year was a whole lot easier than the drive home uh, last September was. There was another drive this week that was not very easy at all, and that was a week ago Sunday. Uh, we took Hadley, our daughter, to Carthage College in Kenosha, Wisconsin. She's starting her freshman year there. Uh, Kenosha is about six hours away, which is still, you know, relatively close. It's not like Sacramento to the East Coast or something like that. But that was a very painful drive home for this father. And, you know, I'm one of those guys, most of the time I roll my eyes at people who act like they're the first people in the history of the world to ever go through something like, oh, really, Scott, you had to drop someone off at college? Like, nobody's ever had to do that before. But I've got the mic, so you get to hear about it. Um, I won't talk too much about it, I, other than to say, I'm absolutely convinced Hadley's where she needs to be and that it is a good thing she's moving in the right direction in her life. And at the same time, there's a part of me, a pretty big part of me, that doesn't like it. I don't like all this moving that's happening in our house these days, people moving out of the house. What's that all about? I, I, I wish that Hadley could just stay a little girl and, and not grow up. I wish things could just stay the way they were. In Acts chapter 17, Paul is talking to the philosophers of the city of Athens. I mean, these are the intellectual and academic elite of Paul's day, and they're debating all things spiritual, talking about faith and God and what is God up to in the world? Why did God create the world? Why did God create people? Here's part of what Paul writes. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. I just love that image. And maybe that describes some of you today. You're feeling your way toward God, trying to find God. Paul goes on, though God is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. And let's read that last line together, the highlighted part on the screen. Read it out loud with me. In him we live and move and exist. This is the way God has set up the world to work. God created us to move. In him we live and we move and exist. I wonder what direction your life is moving these days. We moved Hadley into college last Sunday morning. It's a six-hour drive, which meant we had to load up uh, the boxes and the crates and, and the cars a week ago on Saturday, which meant a week ago Friday was Hadley's last day at home. And so my Friday a week ago began here at Hope. I was officiating a funeral for a man named Bernie Abeta. Bernie and his wife Deborah, their daughter Jessica, and Jessica's family, they're all very involved here at Hope. And so I was sitting in my office that Friday morning preparing for this funeral, but also thinking about having to take my daughter to college the next day. And this kind of gives you a picture into the mess that is my brain. What was going on inside my head was this bit from Seinfeld. I've been on a bit of a Seinfeld kick lately. We should maybe do a message series, The Gospel According to Seinfeld, at some point. <laughs> Paul says, in him, in God, we live and move and exist. Here's Seinfeld's take on that idea. When you're moving, your whole world 
becomes boxes. That's all you think about is boxes. Where are there boxes? You just wander down the street going in and out of stores. Are there boxes here? Have you seen any boxes? I mean, it's all you think about. You can't even talk to people because you can't concentrate. Shut up, I'm looking for boxes. You just after a while, you become like really into it. You could smell them. You walk in the store, there's boxes here. Don't tell me you don't have boxes. I can smell them. I'm like obsessed. I love the smell of cardboard in the morning. You could be at a funeral. Everyone's mourning, crying around, and you're looking at the casket. That's a nice box. Does anybody know where that guy got that box? When he's done with it, you think I could get that? It's got some nice handles on it. And that's what death is, really. It's the last big move of your life. The hearse is like the van. The pallbearers are your close friends. The only ones you could really ask to help you with a big move like that. And the casket is that great, perfect box you've been looking for your whole life. The only problem is, once you find it, you're in it. Uh, when we have funerals here at Hope, Jen Seagar, who's our adult ministry and care coordinator, she and I gather with the family uh, before the funeral, and we pray. And before we pray, I like to read Psalm 121, which ends with this verse. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Seinfeld says death is the last big move of your life, and he's, he's trying to be funny, but I think he's also pointing to an important truth about the way this world is set up. God has created us to move. It's about coming and going. And the writer of Psalm 121 has this really, this bit of good news. In all of the moving that we experience in our life, the Lord keeps watch over you. How about we all say that out loud together? The Lord keeps watch over you. I thought it might be good if we just spend a little bit of time thinking about different scenarios or experiences or, or movements that we might have in life. And at the end of each one, we'll just all say together, the Lord keeps watch over you. How about that? Okay. One person wants to do that. <laughs> you think we can do that? Okay. So when you drop off your child for kindergarten or for middle school or for college, the Lord keeps watch over you. Uh, when you lose a job, when you're looking for a job, when you start a new job, the Lord keeps watch over you. When you move to a new town, when you visit a new church for the first time, the Lord keeps watch over you. When the retirement home you just built in the Carolinas is in the path of a hurricane, the Lord keeps watch over you. When your adult children are making decisions that make absolutely no sense to you, the Lord keeps watch over you. When you're single or married, or divorced, or widowed, the Lord keeps watch over you. When you're holding a newborn, or standing in the cemetery beside the grave marker of someone you love, the Lord keeps watch over you. Here's what I've been thinking about as I've been officiating funerals and dropping kids off at college the last week or so. There, there seems to be a rhythm to life. There's a pattern to life. There's a, a way God has set up life to work. Life is about moving. Uh, the writer, Psalm 121, calls this movement coming and going. Jesus uses some different language. Here's Jesus in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. He touches on this idea again in John chapter 12, verse 24. I tell you the truth, Jesus says. 
Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. When Paul becomes converted to Christianity and starts following after Jesus and planting churches and pointing people to Jesus and Jesus' life and Jesus' way, part of what Paul does is he points people to this rhythm and this pattern. How about Galatians 2 verse 20? My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Or 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Are you starting to pick up on the pattern? Are, are you starting to see the rhythm here? Life is about movement. It's coming and going, and the Lord watches over our coming and going. You could say, according to Jesus and Paul, you could say, the Lord watches over our death and our resurrection, both now and forever. Seinfeld says death is a problem. Finally find that box you've been looking for your whole life. The only problem is you're in it. But in the context of faith, in the context of faith, Death is not a problem. Death is the way to life. Death is the way to life. In this movement that God wants us to be doing uh, throughout the course of our life, it's like God is leading us, God is moving us to places where we're able to say goodbye to some things so that we're then able to say hello to some new things and into some new ways. Here's one more example of this, Philippians 1.21. Paul says, for to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. Dying is better than living. How can Paul say that? How can he write that? How can he believe that? Well, because he understands this is the way God has set up the world to work. Resurrection can only happen after there's been a death. Resurrection can only happen after there's been a death, and this is the way God has set up the world to work. Think of the changing seasons. You, you love the colors of fall, you love the changing temperatures, but we know it's leading to death, it's leading to winter. <laughs> but we also know, we trust, we hope, it's leading to spring and new life and resurrection. The whole world and all of our lives, this is the way, the way that God has set up life to work. And so the question is, are you going to go my way? The song that Kyle and the uh, team played for us for the offering it's a song by Lenny Kravitz called Are You Gonna Go My Way? It's a song about Jesus, his life and his ministry. Are you going to go my way? It's a perfect song and a perfect question for us as we begin our look at the book of Jonah. Uh, each month this year at Hope, it's a different book of the Bible. So today we're starting our look at the book of Jonah. A lot of people think Jonah, isn't that a kid's story? Isn't that just a, like a children's book? It's for Sunday school lessons or vacation Bible school. And it is. But it's also for us. It's for adults. It's for anyone serious about living a life of faith. Here's how the book of Jonah begins. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. And we'll talk in the weeks to come about who are the Ninevites? Uh, what, what empire are they a part of? Uh, why is God so upset with them that God wants Jonah to go and pronounce judgment on them because of their wickedness? We'll talk about that in the, in the weeks to come, but that's not what I want to focus on today. And, and we'll understand why Jonah might want to avoid Nineveh, but I want us to pay attention to what the text says today. The text does not say Jonah wants to get away from Nineveh. 
The text says Jonah wants to get away from the Lord. Jonah wants to get away from the Lord. It actually, in, in our Bible reading, the first three verses, it says that two different times. Jonah wants to get away from the Lord. And like the most literal translation of the Hebrew, it would say, Jonah ran away from before the face of the Lord. Jonah ran away from before the face of the Lord. So it's like God speaks to Jonah and Jonah's response is, get out of my face. I said there was a couple of reasons why I wanted to show clips from Ladybird today. One is because we've got kids going off to college and that's just kind of where we're living these days. But the second reason is because this film does a really good job showing how difficult it is for us to stay in rhythm in our life. How difficult it is for us to embrace this pattern, this way that God has set up the world to work. Saying goodbye so that we can then say hello. A, a life of endings and new beginnings. Death and resurrection. Lady Bird's ready to say goodbye to childhood, she's ready to say goodbye to Sacramento, and she's ready to walk through a, a wide open door to her future, to adulthood and the adventures that await her. Her mom, on the other hand, is holding on tight to the way things are, doesn't want anything to change. For, for Lady Bird's mom, her daughter's departure feels like a death. And Lady Bird's mom is having a hard time trusting, believing that there might be a resurrection that will follow that death. And so she does everything she can. She comes up with all kinds of reasons or excuses why Lady Bird should just pick a college really close to home. Finally, Lady Bird just kind of gives, gives up and she decides, I'm going to apply to all these schools out east. I'm just not going to let mom know. And throughout the movie, she gets rejection letter after rejection letter. Finally, she gets one that says she's on the wait list to one of those schools out east. And so she begins to wait. Her senior year is going by, and she gets accepted to UC Davis, which is really close to home. And so everybody thinks she's going to UC Davis, even at their graduation party. She hasn't heard from, from the wait list yet. So they're out to dinner, cheers to Lady Bird, uh, cheers to UC Davis. And then one of her classmates walks by and says... Hey, have you heard about the wait list yet? And it's the first time her mom has heard this, and it leads to just a devastating scene. Take a look. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have gone behind your back. I just... It's not like I'm definitely going to New York. Mom. Mom. Aren't you sort of proud that I'm so close to getting in? Just a little. I mean... Yes, I know it was probably easier because 9-11 and less people applying with terrorism and all that, but still, though, I'm sorry. I know I can lie and not be a good person, but please, Mom, please. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. I, I appreciate everything you've done for me. I'm ungrateful, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I wanted more. Just please talk to me. I know, I'm, I'm so bad, I know I am. But please just talk to me, Mom. Mom, please talk to me. scholarships and then if we refinance the house then where are we? It's hard to think this eve of parting 
turns to sand a summer gun. You're only supposed to use it for emergencies. <laughs> it's my tracking device. When both our minds are warped with parting, break the thought of nights alone. Flash cries out, don't move, don't leave me. Conscience runs till out of breath. Sunrise pregnant with your leaving, creeping in like certain death. Thank you for driving. You're welcome. You're not coming. You can't walk up to the gates anymore anyway. Yeah, but I'm going to college. Well, Dad will walk you to security. Parking's too expensive here. She'll be back. She'll come back. She's having a real difficult time embracing God's way. And so she withdraws, she shuts down, she refuses to talk to her daughter, refuses to hug her daughter goodbye, and it's just devastating. Look at what she misses out on. And, and Lady Bird, how does she interpret all of this? I mean, she thinks... Aren't parents, aren't adults supposed to kind of have it figured out? Aren't, aren't they supposed to know better than me? So the only way she can interpret her mom's behavior is to think there must be something wrong with me. Did you hear what she said at the kitchen sink? I know I'm bad. I talk to a lot of people who would say it's it scenes like this that are actually a pretty good picture of uh, how they understand the relationship to work between God and humanity. I know I'm bad. God knows I'm bad. And so because I'm so bad, God has rejected me. God has turned his face away from me. Uh, because of my mistakes and my failures and my mess-ups, God doesn't want to have anything to do with me. And I just want you to understand nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus says it's not healthy people who need a doctor, it's sick people who are in need of a doctor. And I've, that's who I've come for. 
I've come to offer forgiveness and grace and love to people who've messed up time and time again, people who've run away from God. Remember what Paul says? Paul says, God is close by. He wants us to seek him out. He, he wants to be found by us. But the reality is God is near. God is close by. God wants to be in a relationship with us, a face-to-face relationship with us. But so many times in our lives, in all sorts of ways, we do what Jonah does. We turn our face. We run away from the presence of the Lord. When our firstborn was born, Dalton, a buddy of mine gave us a children's book that we could read to our kids. It's called The Runaway Bunny. And so it's by Margaret Wise Brown. I thought maybe today would be a good day for us to read a children's story together. How about, so get comfortable, everybody. And it's time for uh, story time with Pastor Scott. Oh, I have to sit on a chair to read the story. Gather around, children. I don't have enough room for you on my lap, but uh, yeah, maybe not. Uh, Okay. Once there was a little bunny who wanted to run away. So he said to his mother, I am running away. If you run away, said his mother, I will run after you, for you are my little bunny. If you run after me, said the little bunny, I will become a fish in a trout stream, and I will swim away from you. If you become a fish in a trout stream, said his mother, I will become a fisherman, and I will fish for you. And then you get colored pictures. How great is that? If you become a fisherman, said the little bunny, I will become a rock on the mountain high above you. If you become a rock on the mountain high above me, said his mother, I will be a mountain climber and I will climb to where you are. Can you find the little bunny high up on the mountain? Hiding pretty well. If you become a mountain climber, said the little bunny, I will be a crocus in a hidden garden. If you become a crocus in a hidden garden, said his mother, I will be a gardener and I will find you. I think this is the trickiest one of all. Did you find the little bunny hiding in the crocus? If you are a gardener and find me, said the little bunny, I will be a bird and fly away from you. If you become a bird and fly away from me, said his mother, I will be a tree that you come home to. This is my least favorite of all the pictures. It's just kind of weird. We'll just keep going. If you become a tree, said the little bunny, I will become a little sailboat and I will sail away from you. If you become a sailboat and sail away from me, said his mother, I will become the wind and blow you where I want you to go. Check out the sails. Now that's awesome. If you become the wind and blow me, said the little bunny, I will join a circus and fly away on a flying trapeze. If you go flying on a flying trapeze, said his mother, I will be a tightrope walker and I will walk across the air to you. If you become a tightrope walker and walk across the air, said the bunny, I will become a little boy and run into a house. If you become a little boy and run into a house, said the mother bunny, I will become your mother and catch you in my arms and hug you. Aww. Shucks, said the bunny. I might just as well stay where I am and be your little bunny. 
And so he did. Have a carrot, said the mother bunny. How great is that book? Anytime I read The Runaway Bunny, I think of Psalm 139. The psalm writer says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Jonah's trying to run away from the presence of the Lord. He's about to discover what the runaway bunny and the writer of Psalm 139 have discovered. That's a futile endeavor. It's impossible to run away from the presence of the Lord. And Jonah is going to discover this by going through a series of events and circumstances that are painful and uncomfortable. I don't know how you might be trying to run away from the presence of the Lord in your life these days, but I know we all do it in creative and various ways. We run away from the Lord, we hide from the Lord, we turn our face away from the Lord, and most of us, what causes us to stop running from the Lord is when we experience something painful something very uncomfortable that causes us to come to our senses and to finally come to this wise decision that says, maybe I should just stop running from the Lord. Maybe I should trust that there is a God who loves me. And this love that God has for me is eternal and ultimately irresistible. That when God says to me, are you going to go my way? God's not being demanding. God's not being controlling. God is being loving. And yes, going God's way means you're going to have to say goodbye to some things. Most of the things you have to say goodbye to are things you need to say goodbye to anyway. They're bad things. But there are some good things you're going to have to say goodbye to as well in order to go God's way. What if you could trust when God asks you to say goodbye to something, it means God's welcoming you into something new, into something better, into something greater, into something more. That God always has something better in store for you if you would get up, if you would go, if you would move forward with God. Are you going to go my way? The way to go God's way is to say goodbye to some old ways so you can welcome in some new ways. So what do you need to say goodbye to today? I could put up a whole buffet of options, but I think as soon as we ask the question, what do you need to say goodbye to today? Everybody knows it deep in their spirit immediately. They know the behavior. They know the unhealthy relationship. They know the destructive thought patterns. They know what they need to say goodbye to. I find most people just don't know, how do I actually move forward? Remember what Jesus says? It's really pretty simple language that Jesus uses. Follow me. Are you going to go my way? Then get up and follow me. Let's move, let's go together. And no matter how many times we say, I, I think my way's better, Jesus will always come back to us. No matter how many times we mess up or make a mess, Jesus comes back with the invitation again and again and again. Are you going to go my way? Follow me. Let's get up and move forward together. All sorts of things happening this fall that we've put together to try to help you actually do that. You heard uh, Eli talk about Alpha during announcements. Nothing magical about Alpha, but as you heard, a lot of people have taken it, and God is using it for a lot of people to be that next step or that first step in getting up and going with God. The fall catalog is filled with ways that you can move forward in your marriage or ways that you can move forward in, in, as a parent in your finances. Whatever it might be, God is saying to you today, it's time to go. 
It's time to move. And what if you could trust that the Lord is keeping watch over all of your coming and all of your going, both now and forevermore? Would you stand with me, please? The band's going to come back out. We'll have one final song, but as they're getting ready, let's pray together. Lord, uh, we ask that you would continue to show us your way. And we confess that there are so many ways in each of our lives that we ignore your way or we convince ourselves another way is really the way. We pray that you would help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the one who is the way and the truth and the life. And we, we pray that you would help us trust this great love that you have for us, that that because Jesus goes to the cross and dies but is resurrected on the third day, this is your goal, your plan for each of us, that over and over throughout our lives, just this series of endings and new beginnings, saying goodbye to old ways so we can say hello to your new way, your best way for us. Trust that there's an open door that we can walk through to this new kind of life. We need your help to do it, so we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.